Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Oh my God, let me read you a couple of uh, messages that we've received. This one comes from Fabian, who says, Eek! (laughs) I've got tickets to see you front row. I'm so excited to see you, but at the same time, anxiety big time. Oh my God, J&K. I'm going to watch live from the UK. Can't wait. Everyone I know is now an odd head. I'm on a mission to convert the entire UK to the odd. Thank you guys for always being yourselves. That is so cool. That's, That's amazing. That's like one o'clock in the morning <laughs> in, in the UK. Got this message from uh, Kay. Kay said, can't wait to see your show. Meet you guys. Your freak Kay in Belize. So that's... Unreal. That's really cool. And then Sarah sent us a message saying, booked my ticket even though it's 1 a.m. in the UK. I must be mad. We love you guys. So much. Thank you for the dedication there. That uh, that takes a lot. They're talking about the Looped show, the live stream event, the freak show that is happening on the 17th of April. Um, and that would be 8 o'clock Eastern U.S. time. And this show is going to be like none other. It's really really going to be um well freaky well it's it's certainly going to be different because we are interacting with you on a one-on-one basis we have the option for meet and greet passes which is kind of like we're going to facetime with you at the end of the show yep. um you have that option when you're getting your tickets and there are suites so you can chat with your buds during the show mm-hmm. there are opportunities for us to expand this so maybe the next time we can do a game night or maybe it's not, I don't know there are just so many options and it's going to be so much fun and I'm really jazzed that we're adding this to our uh, repertoire you can also chat with the curator pre-show the curator oh my goodness he's has, excited he's, uh, he's excited about this we're excited about it and oh we did receive some emails people wanting to know that if 
two or more people were going to watch the stream if they had to buy two or more tickets. No, you don't have to. I mean, we appreciate any support that you can give us. I mean, of course. But we also understand that it's been a tough year for for just about everyone. So if you want to uh, buy a ticket and have all your friends in in the entire neighborhood over, that's okay with us. (laughs) We just appreciate your support. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to those who have reached out uh, saying that you're excited about it because we are too. And so it's nice to to know that we're not just going to be like, alone <laughs> <laughs> you can get your ticket uh at the box and right at the top of the page it says live loop show you can also find the link to buy tickets in the episode notes yeah all right are you ready yes i think that you might have something to tell me I, sir i do madam i do but before we get started let me just give you a, a trigger warning there is discussion of uh suicide okay in this episode thank you It was a cool overcast morning on May the 1st in 1947. At the top of the Empire State Building, uh, there were a handful of tourists. They were just kind of milling about. One of them was named Evelyn McHale. Now, Evelyn was a young woman. She was about 20. Uh, She was standing next to the railing. She removed her coat. She folded it neatly and placed it on the railing. She then took out a pen and paper, and she started jotting something down. When she finished, she tucked the note under her coat. With a security guard less than 10 feet away, she jumped off the 86th floor observatory. It was about 10.40 a.m. A patrolman, John Morrissey, who was down on the ground directing traffic at 34th Street and 5th Avenue, noticed what he thought was a white scarf fluttering down from one of the upper floors oh my gosh. of the building. Moments later, he heard a crash, and he saw a crowd converge on 34th Street. Evelyn had stepped out on the parapet. She had jumped cleared the setbacks, and landed on the roof of a United Nations Assembly Cadillac limousine, which was parked on 34th, about 200 feet west of Fifth Avenue. As one reporter later wrote, quote, four noon shoppers on Fifth Avenue were horrified. Plummeting 86 stories, landing on top of the United Nations limousine that was parked at the curb. In a mere four minutes after she landed, a photography student named Robert Wiles, who was just passing by, with his camera, ran over and snapped a photo. Now, you're probably thinking this is pretty grisly, gruesome sight. And normally it it would be. I mean, it's it's certainly tragic. But the photo that Robert Wiles snapped is not really the gruesome result that you would expect, you know, of a body plummeting 86 stories. The picture shows Evelyn McHale lying peacefully, almost like she was sleeping in a cradle of crumpled steel that was once a limousine. McHale hit the car feet first, and it caused her shoes to fly off and her stockings to be shredded on impact, leaving her feet bare and in much worse condition than the rest of her body. But you couldn't really see by the way she was lying that there was anything wrong with her at all. Oh my goodness. Her feet were crossed at her ankles. Her hands, she was still wearing gloves, and her left hand rested on her chest, clutching her pearl necklace. Her eyes were closed, and uh, there's a, there was a faint smile on her lips. If you looked at this photo and you didn't know what the situation was, mm. the circumstances behind it, you think it was just some beautiful young lady simply taking a nap. Of course, the truth of the matter is much darker than that. Nonetheless, this photo has become famous around the world, one of iconic stature. Have you seen this photo? I don't think so. You, you probably, probably have, but didn't realize what it was. 
Okay, well, that seems like an assumption that you might make. Wrong, but whatever. The photo itself has become infamous. Time magazine called it, quote, the most beautiful suicide. Okay, that's gross. This I don't is, like th- that. This is what it was called. Yeah, but I'm saying I don't like it. It was even used by Andrew, Andy Warhol in uh, one of his prints titled Suicide, parentheses, Falling Body. <sighs> so what happened here? Who was Evelyn McHale? What letter? to jump off the top of the Empire State Building. Even though her death is infamous, there's not a lot known about Evelyn's life. What we do know is that her mother's name was Helen, her father's name was Vincent, and she was born in Berkeley, California. She had eight brothers and sisters. In the early 1930s, her parents divorced. All of the children stayed with her dad, and they moved to New York. I think there was a brief period where they lived in D.C., but ultimately they ended up in New York. Okay. Evelyn was a very active uh, high school student. Uh, when she graduated, she even became part of the women, Women's Army Corps and was stationed in Jefferson City, Missouri during the um, during World War II. Wow. For the time, she was very well-traveled. Yeah, she was. California, D.C., New York, Missouri. And she was 20. Wow. Soon after... She left the army. She moved back to New York, this time to Baldwin, to live with her brother and her sister-in-law. She worked as a bookkeeper at a company called Katab Engraving Company, located in Manhattan on Pearl Street. And while working at the engraving company, she met a guy named Barry Rhodes. Now, Barry was a college student. He had recently been discharged from the uh, Air Force, and she and Barry quickly struck up a relationship. And soon they were engaged. Evelyn and Barry intended to get married at uh, the house of Barry's brother, which was located in Troy, New York. They'd set a date for June 1947, but of course that day never came. The day before Evelyn's death, she had been visiting with her fiancé in Pennsylvania. In a later interview, Barry claimed that all was well when she left. Uh, Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. She seemed happy. She was looking forward to her wedding day. Of course, we'll never know what was going through Evelyn's mind on that 66-mile train ride back into the city. But after she arrived at Penn Station around 9 a.m., she went across the street to the Governor Clinton Hotel and then walked two blocks east, where shortly before 10.30, she bought a ticket to the 86th floor observation deck at the Empire State Building. According to a police report, There was a security guard standing only 10 feet away when she jumped. He could see it happening, but he could not respond quickly enough. Oh, poor man. Now, not only her fiancé, but everyone who knew Evelyn that was interviewed, anybody that interacted with her over the days leading up to her suicide, they had no indication that anything was wrong or that this would happen. And the note that she left under her coat, that really didn't answer many questions either. Okay, that's what I was waiting for, was the details in the note, because... What? Here's, here is what the note said. Quote, I don't want anyone in or out of my family to see any part of me. Could you destroy my body by cremation? Don't have any service for me or remembrance for me. My fiancé asked me to marry him in June. I don't think I would make a good wife for anyone. He is so much better off without me. Tell my father I have too many of my mom's tendencies. So what do we know? What does that mean? Well, here, I did a little research. I'm sorry. I just need a moment. Okay. That's so sad. Okay. Yeah. 
here's what I was able to um, un- uncover. Um, Evelyn's mother, Helen, had what was called at the time an unstable mind. Mm-hmm. Um, many people believe that's what led to the divorce with, uh, with Evelyn's dad at the time. Helen left her husband. There was no obvious reason for her to do so. Uh, later, it became evident that she did have some form of mental illness. Okay. So there's a high possibility that Evelyn inherited something of this in her own genes. And in her suicide note, she said, tell my father I have too many of my mother's tendencies. Could be referring to her mental illness. Yeah. And sometimes, and in, in we've seen this sort of thing happen, where a person will seem like they're, they're doing fine. Mm-hmm. And then a stressful situation will start to creep up on them. And it's just enough to tip them over the edge. Is it possible that maybe the pending wedding mm. was creating a lot of stress for her? Maybe societal pressures of the day. Maybe she didn't want to get married. Maybe, you know, her parents wanted her to and everybody expected her to. Right. And she did. It's hard to say, but it seems plausible that um, she was suffering from, from some sort of, right. um, of, of mental illness. And, and didn't know how to get help. Right. And But recognized it because she had seen it in her mother and apparently didn't want to have to live the type of life that she saw her mother live. I'm just piecing this together. I don't know. Sure. But it seems like a, a plausible scenario. It was a very long time ago. Many of the details have been lost to time. But the photo lives on for over 70 years since the morning it was snapped. It's still regarded as one of the, believe it or not, best photographs ever taken. Um, it's been compared to other iconic photographs like the uh, Malcolm Wilde Brown photograph. You've probably seen that. It's the self-immolation of the Vietnamese Buddhist monk who poured kerosene all over himself in a road in Saigon in 1963. Time magazine called this photo the most beautiful suicide. That's what it's called now. I I know. I know. I know it is. I'm, I'm, I'm. Not disagreeing with you. In addition to that, Time Magazine said, quote, it's technically rich, visually compelling, and downright beautiful. Her body looks more like it's resting or napping rather than dead. And it looks like she is just lying there dreaming of her bow. This is what they wrote. But I just don't understand what is the point of right like instead write about how you can help people with mental illness. <laughs> like what is the point of trying to make this terrible, terrible thing a beautiful you know, romantic thing. It's Mm. not. I think that's gross. Well, those were certainly different days. Yeah, that's true. Her body was identified by her sister, Helen. Oh. And according to her wishes, she was cremated. There is no grave. Her fiancé, Barry, eventually relocated to Florida. He never got married. Oh. But her desire for anyone, quote, in or out of her family to see any part of her and not be remembered was not granted the no. picture of her lying peacefully on top of the uh, crumpled limousine circled the globe and be- globe and became an iconic image and uh, still is to this day oh i hate that i think this is a good time for us to um mention that if you're struggling and you feel like everything's gray and you don't think that there's an answer and you don't think that there's hope, you should talk to someone. Here's the National Suicide Hotline number. 1-800-273-8255. 
And there is a chat option. Is there? Um, so I know that sometimes when you're in that kind of place, mm. it's really hard to even verbalize. And for some reason, just saying it out loud, even creating the words, it's hard. It's hard. And sometimes chatting is a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And I've found that myself is sure. that texting someone is a lot easier mm -hmm. than calling someone. I mean, just that's just straight across the board. Uh, but especially <laughs> right. when I'm in a hard yeah. place, when I'm in a, you know, and all, and just remember your brain is a liar. Call the number if you need help. And now that thing in the middle. There once was a Roman emperor named Heliogopolis. Now this guy was a party animal. He would often get his guests so drunk that they'd pass out. While they were unconscious, he'd take this opportunity to fill the room with toothless leopards, lions, and bears. What a knucklehead. I want to party with that dude. Do you know why firefighters don't listen to this podcast while they're battling fires in a building? Because they couldn't hear the stories over all that pesky water and flames, silly. They like to listen back at the firehouse. This is The Box of Oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames, and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's a-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. 
When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Join the Freak Show live stream event, April 17th. All the cool freaks will be there. Just go to theboxofoddities.com and click on Live Shows. See you there, you sweet little freak you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Hey, we got this email came in yesterday with the title, Sex Toy for Mom. Oh, jeez. Um, it's from Emily. It says, oh my God, pick me. I have a funny story. Emily, you had me at sex toy for mom. <laughs> I was lis- listening to your recent sex toy episode and about died when Kat was second guessing the massage tool she had as a child. <laughs> My husband and I have been together a long time. Early in our relationship, I put him in charge of choosing and buying gifts for our side of the family. Why do I always need to do all the work? (sighs) Big mistake. Let's just say all the gifts need to be run by me from now on. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Kat and uh, the hotel rooms. Yeah, yeah. she won't let me. Anyway, he bought her a vibrator. What? A full-on vibrator. No. And uh... I didn't know. So the four of us adults were opening our gifts on Christmas Eve. And as she was unwrapping it, I realized what it was and looked around. My husband was clueless. My mother-in-law was on the fence. And my father-in-law, the look on his face. No. uh... No one said anything. I told my husband he bought his mom a vibrator. And it took him weeks to finally realize slash admit it. A whole year went by. And the next Christmas, I decided to break the ice by saying, can we just please talk about mom's gift last year? And my father-in-law says, yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) Best Christmas ever. 
<laughs> That's glorious. Thanks. What, I mean, why? How would that even happen? How would you see I, that and think, my mom needs this? I don't know. That's so strange. Mm. I used to work at a convenience store in the middle of nowhere, and I worked with this older lady who was a treasure. And we worked a lot of shifts together. We became very close, mm -hmm. and I adored her. And she was so, like, mild-mannered. She just lived her life with her cat, and she had this quiet little existence where she would come to work at the convenience store, and then she'd go to church, and she'd do this, and mm -hmm. she knitted, and it was a whole thing, and I just loved her. I just loved her. And I also loved making her very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> so she bought a new house, and it was a big deal for her because it was the first one that she'd owned on her own. Mm -hmm. And so she had a housewarming party, and it was the cutest thing when I arrived. Like, she had made these little end of the driveway signs like saying you know the party's here and she had like little streamers and it was just so sweet and so we're sitting around outside and she had this little patio area which was just precious and she we're sitting around and she's opening her housewarming gifts and she's getting some really nice stuff she got like um a, a KitchenAid mixer which I thought was amazing like who does that but mm. it was one of her kids but anyway mm. um and she got uh, like all kinds of little home decor things, and uh, someone from her church had gotten her like some some Jesusy stuff, and mm -hmm. it was just a really cute thing. And then she got to my gift, and she got it about half open before she went. You know what? I'm going to get a drink. And she <laughs> ran into the house, and she turned around just before she went in the door, and she looked at me, and she was like, "I swear to God." <laughs> and so I went inside, and she was like, "Why would you do this?" Did you get her a dildo? I did. Oh my god! Then, well, it was a vibrator. Oh, I mean, okay. I'm not going right. to get her a useless piece of plastic. Okay. So, um, she, but she told me in confidence at one point that she'd never had one. Wow. And so, okay. So I thought it was my job to take care of that. She was like, "My pastor's here." Oh, you bought Grandma a vibrator. It was precious. She was so cute and embarrassed, and she was like, "I don't know what I'm going to do with this." And I was like, "Well, just put it under your bed, and you know, <laughs> stash it away. Sure. I'm sure you'll never open it. Probably never. Anyway, anyway, that's going to be a hard story to top, but I'm hoping you can. What do you got for me? <laughs> Vesna Volovic was born in Serbia, and she loved the Beatles. So she went to the UK after completing her first year at university, hoping to improve her English language skills. And while she was traveling, she discovered that this was just something she loved to do. She loved to go new places and see new things. So she was like, okay, well, travel's kind of my thing now. Mm. And not long after that, a friend of hers said that she was becoming a flight attendant. And so Vesna was like, well, I should become a flight attendant. That makes sense. She was super excited about this. She was in her early 20s. So why not? But there was a problem. Vesna had a history of low blood pressure, and she knew that it was pretty unlikely that she'd pass the medical exam. Hmm. So right before she went in to take her physical, she drank a ton of coffee, hoping <laughs> that that would jack her blood pressure up. Wait, wait. Low blood pressure, you, you would be disqualified as an air flight attendant? Apparently, yes. Really? Yeah. What are they, open cockpits? I don't understand. <laughs> this was in the 60s, right? It 60s? was the early 70s. Okay, early 70s. 70s. Yeah. No, they had closed cockpits then. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer. But I know that 
with low blood pressure, she would not have passed her exam. So... In 1971, she joined JAT Airways, which was Yugoslavia's national flag carrier and the country's largest airline. So she was super excited and she was finally getting to see the world. On January 26th, 1972, she was assigned to a crew for a flight to Belgrade. And she recalled that she had been confused with another flight attendant named Vesna. And she wasn't supposed to be on that flight, but... (laughs) Uh, she took it anyway because she had never been to Denmark before, and it was her first time visiting. She was very excited about it. So after she arrived in Copenhagen, the crew had a day or so to be in the city, and she was jazzed to sightsee. But the rest of the crew was acting weird, and she said that everyone wanted to buy things for their family. Um, the captain like locked himself in his room for a whole day. He didn't want to go anywhere at all. Uh, during breakfast, the co-pilot was talking about his kids as though nobody else had ever seen a child. (laughs) It was just very strange. She was like, everyone was such a bummer. So she agreed to go with the crew to go do some shopping rather than doing the sightseeing. So on the 26th, they had reported for duty and flight 367 departed from Copenhagen Airport at 3.15 p.m. It was just 46 minutes into the flight at 4.01 p.m. that there was an explosion Mm. in the baggage compartment. The DC-9 blew up over a Czech village and plummeted to the ground. There was a villager below named Bruno Honke who heard the impact and ran into the dark as debris was still falling from the sky. Oh, my God. And he heard a woman screaming. It was Vesna. Her turquoise uniform was covered in blood. Her heels had been torn off by the impact. And she was obviously not in good shape. Bruno, the villager who discovered her, had been a medic during World War II, and he was able to keep her alive until rescuers arrived. Guinness Book of World Records says her fall from the height of 33,000 feet is the longest recorded fall without a parachute where someone survived. Whoa. That's like six miles. I'm not good at math, but yeah, that's high. Hey, Siri... How many miles is 33,000 feet? 33,000 feet is 6.25 miles. Wow. You know how when, like, if you trip and fall, Mm. time seems to slow down a little bit? Can you imagine how long it must have seemed to take to fall 6.25 miles? I can't even. Like, I think about, um, you remember how last year when I put plastic on our patio door? Because it's not the best insulated door. And I had plasticed myself outside (laughs) on the deck. So I had to figure out how to, like, get off the deck, which was a thing. And um, the deck's, like, what? 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to fall 10 feet. I was Mm. all worried about it. Like, who cares? Mm. That's no big deal. The big concern should be dog poop in the yard. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yes. So the longest recorded fall without a parachute. The tail of the plane had landed in a pretty heavily wooded and snow blanketed part of the mountainside. And they think that that helped uh, reduce the impact like it didn't drive into the ground okay it kind of um was cushioned a little bit and air safety investigators attribute vesna's survival to being trapped by a food cart so the fuselage broke away from the rest of the aircraft and plummeted toward the ground but because of 
Vesna being like pinned in pinned in by this food cart, she remained inside the airplane. Czech authorities concluded that explosives in a suitcase had detonated mm. and tore the jet apart. But there was an investigation in Prague by two reporters in 2009 that challenged that account. And they think that the DC-9 was mistakenly shot down by Czech Air Force. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, this is not an uncommon story, you know, airplanes being accidentally shot down by military uh, personnel. I really don't know that much about it, but it does seem like something they wouldn't want to go like, yeah. oh, yeah, whoopsie. Oops. Sorry. Of the 28 passengers and crew, Vesna was the only survivor. Holy shit. Wow. She suffered a skull fracture and broke both of her legs. Three vertebrae were broken and she was temporarily paralyzed from the waist down. She was transported to a hospital in Prague and spent several days in a coma recovering. In addition to her extensive injuries, her brain had hemorrhaged and she had total amnesia. From an hour preceding the crash until almost a month after. Wow. Vesna has no memory of what happened. She does remember greeting some passengers for the flight. And there was one man that she saw leaving the previous flight that she thought looked a little suspicious. Interesting. And the flight that had arrived, the passengers that were leaving, they were delayed. And so she put together that she believes that particular man had brought the bomb aboard and that he was very frustrated that they weren't getting off the plane because he didn't want to blow up. Oh. But she has nothing to prove this. She just has this feeling. And again, she really doesn't remember anything from for a month. A that, whole month of her life so, is gone. So she remembers... I don't, you know, doing the, uh, hey, put your seatbelts on yep. stuff and checking all the overhead. And then it's a month later. Yep. Oh, my God. That was that must be just, well, a tad disconcerting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she remembers speaking to her parents in the hospital room and them correcting her because she kept saying she was in the wrong city. Vesna's physicians concluded that her history of low blood pressure caused her to pass out quickly after the cabin depressurized and kept her heart from bursting on impact. Are you kidding me? It was the thing that almost got her disqualified from becoming a flight attendant in the first place that saved her life. That's incredible. That really is. I have low blood, well, sort of low blood pressure. Um, it's normal. <laughs> and so for a person my age, that's low blood pressure. Well, um, um, regularly you'll stand up and go, ooh, yeah. shouldn't and, have stood up so fast. And then I sit down and do it again because it's really cool. The first thing that Vesna did upon waking was ask for a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, she, I, I think she's earned one. Yeah, she's you know, earned one. Her recovery period was actually relatively short and very successful. In less than a year, she had recovered well enough to walk, though she did have a limp. She attributes her quick recovery to a childhood diet that included chocolate, spinach, and fish oil. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, did she did she go back to work? Did she get back on an airplane? She went back to work. Shut up. 
I, there's you couldn't get me within the area of an airport. <laughs> I would drive by an airport and break out into sweats. She was if that had happened to me. She was honored by Joseph Tito, the leader of Yugoslavia, and celebrated as a national hero. A Serbian folk singer recorded a song called Vesna the Stewardess in her honor. Her story won her celebrity status in Serbia, where she actually channeled her fame into campaigning for political causes. No kidding. She worked really hard to uh, get people involved. And all because of low blood pressure. Right. She did go back to work, but she wasn't allowed to be a flight attendant. The airline was concerned that she wasn't recovered enough mm. to get back on planes. So she did work for the airplane, for the airplane people, for the airport, but um, didn't work as a stewardess. Well, I can understand that from the airline's perspective, that there may be some emotional trauma that that is there that might hinder her from conducting her duties. The because, thing is, because it sure as fuck would me. <laughs> they were concerned about her physically, not mentally. Mm. Eventually, though, she was fired from her job for taking part in protests against President Milosevic. Well, but he, he was a dick, so good for her. The thing is, because of her celebrity status, she wasn't arrested. She was just quietly fired. They didn't <laughs> want her in prison mm. because that would gain such notoriety or it, right. or it would get so much publicity that they didn't want to be seen as someone who would jail and national hero. Vesna said she never stopped loving to travel. And people always said they wanted to sit next to her on planes. Yeah. Which, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And she remained an avid flyer until she died in 2016 at the age of 66. Bless her heart. Wow. That's quite a story. Right? And she, the thing is, she didn't remember it at all. So why would mm. she be afraid? She I just, guess, yeah. she was like, no, I, I don't have any recollection of any of that. So... <laughs> Whatever. So if it happens again, I'm sure I'll forget that, too. <laughs> wow. I got my information from the New York Times, BBC.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, and, of course, Wikipedia. Chocolate, spinach, and fish oil. I'm in. <laughs> that sounds like one of those Japanese Pop-Tart flavors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to go to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait to see you the 17th of April during our live stream event on Looped. If you've got no plans, we would love to have you join us. You can get a ticket at theboxofoddities.com and I promise you some weird shit's gonna happen. (laughs) You can also find the link to buy tickets in the episode notes. In the meantime, we look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. 
Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.